Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Movie Geeks United. The 12th annual Sunscreen Film Festival takes place in St. Petersburg, Florida from April 27th to the 30th. Movie Geeks United is honored to be associated with this festival, which consistently delivers an exceptional caliber of independent films and a fervent love of all things cinema. You can read more about this year's festivities by visiting sunscreenfilmfestival.com. In this episode, we'll explore three titles which are premiering at the fest. First up, we're joined by director Michael Mailer and actor Dylan McDermott as they discuss their collaboration titled Blind. The film features Alec Baldwin as a novelist who's blinded in a car accident that also takes the life of his wife. He falls in love with Demi Moore, who plays the wife of an indicted businessman played by McDermott. The son of acclaimed novelist Norman Mailer, Michael enjoys his feature directorial debut with Blind, although he has produced a string of popular films for over 20 years. Blind isn't the only project on McDermott's docket during the festival. He's also premiering a web series that he wrote and directed titled Sugar. Yeah, I'm curious to know because you've been a longtime producer. Uh, you've produced a lot of great projects, uh, including several with a guy that we're all crazy about on the show, James Toback. Yeah. Um, why, did, why did you choose for this project in particular to be your directorial debut? Well, um, I, I mean, one, my, my brother wrote it. Uh, I developed it with him many, many years ago um, with the intention of producing it. And uh, it had a number of incarnations with different directors and and different cast um, and always found a way not to get made last second, you know, which tends to happen on, on certain film projects. Um, to a point where I just sort of put it away uh, about three or four years ago. I just figured it was, you know, going to collect dust for uh, for infinity. And then um, uh, a couple of years ago, I, I was uh, on the set of a movie I was producing, um, a great film called Friends and Romans. And I just, you know, I had a very odd reaction to being on set. I mean, normally I'm, I'm you know, the producer is very hands-on and I enjoy being on set. But... Um, and this had nothing to do with the movie itself. It just I just hit a creative wall and became allergic to being on set and decided, you know, I had to really do something differently, certainly on a creative level. And um mm. decided then I was gonna direct the film and, and you know, naturally the one project I, I knew so well inside and out, um, was blind. And um you know, I, I figured that, that was if I was gonna do it that, that was the project to, to uh put my hands on yeah and you've got such a exceptional cast that you've assembled uh in alec baldwin and demi moore and of course dylan um and and dylan when you read the script what what about it spoke to you and and about the character that you play in particular you know i had like a primal reaction i was uh i was doing a play my agent sent me the script and i was like oh man i love this so much because i I grew up with those guys and I know those guys in New York and I understand them. And I also understood the, uh, the criminal aspect of, of, of Mark. So I, I just, I just, you know, sometimes with acting, you have these roles that you understand so well, sometimes you have to do research and sometimes you have to figure out who the character is 
I didn't have to do that with this character. I knew exactly what motivated him. I knew exactly where he lived, you know, what, what made him the hungry person that he is for, for power. Um, so I just had this visceral reaction and I, I knew I had to do it. And I met with Michael and we seemed to be on the same page and he trusted me enough to do it. And, and we had a great time working on it. You know, we just had that simpatico and, um, we're all making the same movie, and that I know it seems like an easy thing to mm-hmm. to say, but that it, it it rarely happens when everybody's in the same movie, and and that's what happened with uh, with Alec to me and I, and Michael. Yeah, well, in essence, uh, I mean, the movie is a romantic drama, uh, but but does it? Ha- what what do you think, Michael? It, it's saying about about the thirst for wealth and power and and, and that kind of dynamic. Well, I, I, I mean, it, it, you know, the movie um, definitely speaks to, as Dylan put it, you know, certain uh, character types that very much, you know, live in certain circles. I mean, New York City clearly being, you know, the epicenter of it. And, um, you know, I, I always find those characters particularly compelling um, because they're, they're, you know, they're, they're constantly on the hunt for higher plateaus of of self-aggrandizement and of course you know once they get there you know they got to find the next peak and um in that process you know their um their their pathology their their uh psycho- psychopathy you know if you will becomes more and more uh, prominent um the more they they are unable to ultimately satiate their thirst and uh, I just I find that kind of erosion of of ethical behavior that results from it just to be kind of a fascinating subject and characters, um, and and you know, um, Dylan really brought so much to that role. I mean, he, he you know, and, and you know they're, they're not. Um, I mean, you know, he humanized a very bad guy basically, and mm-hmm. um, like all bad guys, they 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 also have good sides to them, and and you know, nothing is ever black and white. It's gray. Um, and so that, you know, when you have the ability to bring that kind of nuance to a role, um, which Dylan did bring, um, it just makes those characters so compelling to watch. I mean, you just can't take your eyes off of them. And, um, you know, I think, uh, the proof is in the pudding on this one. Yeah. And Dylan, was was that a particular challenge or, or the great thrill of the role was to bring that kind of humanity to it? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, when you're when you're playing someone bad, you don't play bad. You actually, what I do is I do. I I try to look for the good, and in looking for the good, more bad comes out. Funny enough, um, but I really felt that you know, when playing good, always when playing bad, always look for the good because it's so easy to be arch in these roles. You know, to play bad, to be bad, but um, you know, he had. He had specific motives, and, and I think that, uh, you know, it's really a metaphor for a, 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 of capitalism in the world, how people have lost their way. You know, capitalism has, has taken over the world in many ways, and it's quite frightening to see that people will do anything for money, and we see that more yeah. and more. We see it, you know, in the news every single day, and there's, there's no apology for it anymore. It used to be like a moral compass, and that's sort of like, you know, when, when Oliver Stone made Wall Street, there was sort of like this moral compass of Gordon Gecko, and I think that's sort of like passe now. It's like that become Gordon Gecko is sort of like the norm now. 
for a lot for a lot of mm. these guys, you know. And um, it, it, it's it's frightening to me to, to to watch it up close, and and also in, in in Hollywood as well. It's you know it's it doesn't matter. This 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 morality seems to be escaping us over and over again. So what I what I love about the film is that we're speaking to that morality. You know that that somehow it it still exists in this movie that we're we're searching at least searching for it, and that's why we're commenting on it a little bit and bringing some awareness and attention to it, which I think is great. Well, I mean, you've done uh, you've done the big epic studio action movies, and you've done uh, your share of independent uh, uh, films as well, like this one. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I would imagine that um, I, it seems to me from the outside that studios aren't willing to take a bet on a ten to thirty million dollar movie. They they only want two hundred million dollar bets. Uh, yeah. The higher the stakes, the more they want in. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of a lot of uh, I think we lose a lot as as an audience and a culture without a steady steady diet of movies about people, essentially. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm sure Michael would agree. You know, the best movies have, are still from the '70s. Yeah. You know, those movies were the greatest movies ever made because. Uh, the studio system had failed at that time and they let the directors take over and the directors had a vision of the world and they kind of like made all these incredible movies because the studios left them alone. But I'm, I'm afraid those days are, you know, far gone now. And so we rely on independent movies. I mean, look at a movie, a moon, a moonlight that won the Oscar last year for best picture. That movie cost a million and a half dollars to make, you know, a small independent movie with no stars in it. And uh, it resonated, you know? Um, so, I think there is an audience for it, but, you know, the smaller movies have a harder time. They need to have uh, film festivals. They need to have the critics behind it. They need to get, you know, some buzz behind it for them to make it. And, yeah, and, and Michael, how... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Please, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you, you know, Dylan is right. The, 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 you know, to me, at least, the most interesting movies are... are the films where the story comes out of the character and not the other way around. Um, you know, when you're when you're making a two hundred million dollar movie, you really, um, in rare with rare exceptions, you've got to create the lowest common denominator. And in that process, mm-hmm. you know, in appealing to to a vast audience, you really end up uh, um, diminishing, you know, any sense of character uh, that doesn't sort of neatly fit into the the, the strictures of your plot. And um, and that's why indie films are so important, more so now than ever, um, because we we uh, we're either living in, in the Marvel universe or we're living in the in the universe of of character driven films, and it's a it's a, it's a very mm. stark dichotomy. And as a longtime producer, um, I mean, in one sense, there there are more platforms to get your film in front of eyeballs today than ever before, with uh, with streaming and, and and that sort of thing. But at the same time, is it more difficult than ever before to find financing for these smaller films? Yes, it, it it's, it's, hasn't gotten easier, I'll put it to you that way. I mean, just from an economic standpoint, um, you know, the DVD model really kind of drove the industry, you know, for, for decades and really um, – Sort of coinciding with the, with the financial collapse in 2008, the DVD engine kind of sputtered out, and in its place, um, 
you know, the digital revolution has helped a bit, but it really hasn't caught up yet to what the DVD universe offered, which was basically a backstop against these little movies. Um, and so it's, I, I find that the budgets are getting smaller, not bigger. Um, and, you know, you really need to find actors, you know, uh, of the quality of the Dylan McDermott's who are willing to like say, you know what, I'm just going to take a flyer on this, on this film, on this character, because it's really interesting. It appeals to me artistically. You know, it's not about the money. It's just about the art. It's about the work. And, uh, but you know, not, not that many actors really have that mentality. It's like once they start making money, they don't want to, um, they don't want to lose that, that, that momentum. And it's, uh, you know, so we're all sort of scrambling for the same limit resources, basically. Well, I'm curious about the 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 nature of working in independent films like this. Um, I mean, Dylan, I mentioned earlier that I mean you've been in many big films, but it is it, it, obviously with independent films, there's a tight there's usually a tight schedule involved. Um, yeah. Is what are we should are, are Michael was it was it 21 days? Do we have that? Uh, it, yeah, it was it was it was, um, it was twenty days in New York, and then we had a day and a half in uh, in France. Yeah, that's that's the typical wow. nowadays. It's about twenty one days to make a smaller movie. So does it, it as for you as an actor? Uh, does that give you a kind of energy because you can't afford to spend a whole day on a moment like you might be able to do on a much bigger budgeted film? Yeah, you know, I've learned because doing so much television, I just come prepared um, mm-hmm. and ready to ready to go. I don't try to, you know, you you, you find uh, you know moments when you're obviously working on a movie, but you know, I just try to come fully prepared because I know we only have a certain amount of time to get it done in a day. You have only a certain amount of takes to do it, so it's really up to me because. Uh, as a, as an artist, I have to go in and 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 hit it hard because I know that there's a time crunch every single day. And television really helped me with that because in television, you know, you're doing ten pages a day. So when you do right. a movie, you know, with blind, I think we probably did three or four pages a day. But nonetheless, it it, it gave me um, a good work ethic in terms of go in, go in, you know your lines, you know your character, you go in and you get it done because uh, there's just no time to fool around. Having come out of the the producing side of things, you know, doing indie movies, you really it is about the preparation. I mean, you know, there's a saying that a movie is made in pre-production, and by that, um, you know, it's it's all about being prepared and and dealing with very tight schedules and sort of knowing what you want. You know, that being said, you know, obviously, you you know, things inevitably evolve on set. And you've got to be willing and open to, you know, uh, the fact that it's a collaborative process and, and points of view are going to come up and, and suggestions that you, you might not have thought of that in many cases can turn out to be really helpful to the film. But, um, yeah, yeah, you just, you, you don't, I, I mean, I, I wonder sometimes what I would do if I, if I had unlimited, you know, amounts of time and resources <laughs> to shoot a film. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, l- a luxury that's beyond my comprehension. Yeah. And at the same time, I think, I mean, I hear from a lot of people that um, it's not, it, it, it probably fosters more creativity in a way when you have a limited budget. I mean, everyone wants more money, but because you know that whatever problem you run into, you can't just throw money at it. 
So it, it forces you to find a more creative solution, possibly. That's absolutely right. Um, and, and there is something that just comes out of compression. You know, I mean, gold, diamonds, you know, it, it, they're all created mm. by, you know, the pressure and compression of of plates moving, you know, under underground. And, and in certain ways, you know, creativity can really, um, you can really create some interesting stuff when, when you, you have a credibly tight schedule um, pressing you from all sides uh, throughout the shoot. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, that, that, that being said, it, it would always, you know, one always wants an extra day here or there, uh, you know, and sometimes you do lose things because you just don't have the time. But, um, you know, listen, you, you make the best of what you're given and, and, um, and hopefully it, 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 it you know, you, you, you aspire to, to achieve what, what, you know, you set out to make. Yeah. And Dylan, you have on the 27th, I believe, I believe it's at five o'clock at the sunscreen film festival. You're premiering, uh, a series that you created, directed, wrote, uh, called sugar. Uh, what, right. what inspired this? You know, I had gone down to Ringling, um, which is such a great place, and I had met um, David Shapiro, who had uh, become a, a great friend. And um, and I, you know, I always had this idea of, you know, I'm, I'm I'm always creating things. You know, when I, when I'm not working as an actor, I'm writing. I I um I just sold the show to ITV about a race car driver, and um, I wrote this show. I've always been fascinated. You know, you know the movie Hardcore, the George C. Scott. I love movie. that movie. Yeah. yeah, from the anyway, I was always struck by that movie as a kid, and the idea of the of the runaway girl always is, is is played in my psyche somewhere. Maybe because I have two daughters, but this idea of the runaway girl um, was something I was always interested in. So I, I brought this on my this idea of a runaway girl, and I set it in Sarasota, you know, in South Florida. The idea of also South Florida is is a it's a whole different world from the rest of the United States as well. So. I wanted to set it there. I wanted to to uh, use the students to have them really for them to take this show. I, I, I like I, like you said, I wrote and directed it, and and um, but I wanted to give it to them so they could have an experience of what it'd be like to write a show, to continue a show uh, in, a, in a web platform. So I really, you know, kind of molded it to Ringling and. Um, came up with this idea and had fun shooting it. We shot it, you know, like I think, you know, three or four days um, down in Sarasota. And um, and we cast, uh, you know, great people. And uh, it was just, just really fun. And, and now we have the support of Kevin Smith on his um, on his uh, Smodcast network. And the Wayne, the Wayne Foundation came on board for sex, tra- tra- uh, sex trafficking, who've been great friends of ours. And uh, you can watch it. April 28th at uh, sugarsmodcast.com, and um, you know it's, I, I, I'm really uh, I'm really intrigued by it. Where it's going to go? Where the students are going to let it go? What's going to happen to this girl? Because I really was in, it was important for me to have a young girl be empowered and not be you know destroyed by the world. So it's really a, a right. story of empowerment. Well, it's interesting because the the episode I watched ran about nine, nine minutes. Is that, is right, that the typical pilot, or are they right. not? No, okay. I think it's going to be, and, it'll probably run, you know, people don't have 
they don't have the attention span, especially on the web. So they can probably handle three minutes, five minutes at the most. But the the uh, the first episode was ten or nine because I wanted to, I wanted to uh, sort of like set the tone. Right. Yeah. It's so it's so uh, extraordinary that you mentioned Paul Schrader because as I was watching it, I was thinking about Paul Schrader. Um, I, I interviewed I interviewed him a couple of years ago, and I desperately wanted to talk to him about hardcore because it's so I funny adore because that movie. We follow each other on uh, on, on Facebook, and I love to just yeah. hear his comments about the world. I mean, he's he's so unique. Very much so, and he actually made a statement to us where he said, "Look, we don't know what movies are now. They could be mm-hmm. two hours. They could be five minutes." Uh, it's True. kind of like the it's, it's a brave new world. So that's the first yeah. thought that came into my head that that you're playing you're playing into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, so tell me about um, so this would be the first time you've shown sugar to a general audience. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So that's exciting. And mean, itself, mean, you know. to have yeah, and meanwhile blind. blind and and sugar there at the same time is really. Uh, so fortuitous because that you know that obviously that never happens. So I'm I'm so excited to uh, to talk about both um, and going down to Florida. Absolutely, and Bl- and Blind has played for a festival audience. Um, I-, I saw some clips of uh, the the Woodstock Film Fest premiere. Um, That's right. How many fe- and, and how I'm- many festivals has it been in, Michael? Um, it's been in uh, in two festivals. Uh, it opened um, Woodstock. And uh, and then we had an opening night, the Bahamas Film Festival, right. um, and screen uh, sunscreen will be the the, um, the the third opening feature length uh, festival for uh, for the film. And it's coming uh, out this, this, this summer. Is that correct? It's it's the film is coming out uh, July fourteenth. July fourteenth. How many theaters? They're doing ten major markets uh, initially. Um, oh, great! So yeah, so it, it'll it'll get to the big cities and then hopefully expand from there. Fantastic. Well, th- this is the last question I have for you guys. You've been so generous with your time, um, but in terms of festivals and premiering your work at festivals, for, as both a director and an actor for for both of you, um, what do you? I mean, you're intimately involved in the creation of it. But what do you learn about your movie when you see it through the eyes of an audience for the first time? Do you want to answer that one first, Dylan? <laughs> no, you you go ahead. All right, You're the director. <laughs> well, I, I think you know, you know, with any creative endeavor, you know, you start it for egoistic reasons, and then you end up doing it for altruistic reasons, and that is, you know, um, you're ultimately making it for an audience. Uh, you know, whether it's film or, or writing a book or, or, or a painting, for that matter. Um, and so you, you, I mean, for me, it's you know, I, I'm sort of endlessly fascinated with the with audience reactions. You know, sometimes there's scenes to me very personally that are that are not funny at all, uh, and yet provoke a, a, a sense of laughter, or the opposite. You know, where where I, I find a line that I wrote or, or, or oversaw the writing of where, you know, I'm was almost certain that it would get a, a reaction yet. And yet it doesn't um, because people are sort of involved in that emotional point in the story where they're just not motivated to, to, to find laughter in that scene. 
you know, which is not a bad thing at all. It's just it, it's just always amazing to see how an audience interprets your film as you're watching it and as you you know made it with a certain intent in mind. So I, I you know, I, obviously it's it's festivals, you know, are, are um, you know often very pleasurable experiences for the filmmaker because you, you you have a receptive audience and. And uh, and the movie's half good. Um, you know, usually the, the response will will be uh, positive. Yeah. The thing about um, the thing about Michael is that he's a romantic, <laughs> and he's he has made a romantic movie in a time when there are no more romantic movies. You know, they're sort of like people don't make romantic movies anymore. They make like you know silly comedies, but <clears throat> they don't make romantic movies. And this truly is a romantic movie. You know, there's. Uh, there's, there is, um, again, you know, it harkens, harkens back to a, 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 an older time when uh, when people did kind of believe in romance and they kind of believed in love, mm-hmm. and that's what I, I really like about the movie is that there's there's a there's a real chance for love in this movie. Um, it's funny that I'm saying that because my character trying to destroy that as much as you can, but the fact that uh, <laughs> that Alec and and to me, you know. Uh, end up together is such a beautiful thing in this movie. That, was, that really struck me the most is that that these two people were meant to be together, and Michael was the perfect director to sort of um, carry that message. So I appreciate that about the movie a lot. Is that it just you know it it gives us hope for uh, for uh, romance. Yeah, it, it's you know it, look, it is an old-fashioned love story. Dylan's absolutely mm-hmm. right, and. And it is a film about second acts, um, no matter how old yep. you are. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it. it you know, I, look. I, I think it, my hope is that certain pe- people will respond to it. You know, on that level, because I, I do think it, it, it speaks to certainly an older demographic. But it, it. But there's enough there to appeal to a younger audience too. And uh, look, hopefully, people will buy tickets and, and go see it. That's my my dream. <laughs> well, and I, you know, there's so much kind of cynicism. Uh, out there today, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, movies, movies changed my life, and and movies to a large extent uh, deepened my sense of empathy. I, I think mm-hmm. art in general can do that. So, so when I hear you oh. talking about making a, a a true romance, and 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 Dylan, you making something about empowerment, female empowerment. Uh, yeah. I mean, those are powerful, and those are needed today, really. Yeah, they really are. Because you're right, we're living in such cynical times, such dark times. The only time we get to yeah. relief from that is, is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now more so than ever, for sure. Next up are two stars from the film Created Equal. Actor Aaron Tveit, who previously made a splash in director Tom Hooper's film adaptation of Les Miserables and the recent Grease Live television event. And actress Eddie Gannon, who is perhaps best known for her recurring role on the hit TV series Devious Maids. Created Equal tells the story of a devout Catholic woman who yearns to enter the priesthood. Unsatisfied with what she views as the church's outdated and discriminatory doctrine, she hires a successful lawyer and files suit against the church. This terrific film was directed by acclaimed actor and director Bill Duke, and it co-stars Lou Diamond Phillips. Tommy. What's this new case you sent over? One of our biggest clients called in a favor for her housekeeper's daughter, Alejandra Batista. What are we settling? 
woman suing the Catholic Church. It is unfortunate that these events have occurred. Yes, I'm afraid so. But we will be blamed for this. They would betray us as the bad guys in any event. I understand. You are suing the Catholic Church. I'm suing the Catholic Church because I want to become a Catholic priest. I would like to work this out before it's too late. Too late for what? For you to turn back. No one, including the Catholic Church, gets to be above the law. I'm not afraid. This case is an attack on religious freedom and on the more than one billion Catholics around the world. Do you believe that by challenging God's church, you are in his grace? If I'm not, may God put me there. And if I am, may God so keep me. You're a settler. That's what I told you to do. You must respect tradition. Priesthood is reserved for the male gender forever. Keep it up and I'll put everybody out. Why did you not apply to another seminary instead of filing a lawsuit against the Catholic Church? Because I'm a Catholic. Are you absolutely sure that you want to continue down this path? This kind of case brings the nuts out of hiding. You gotta go. He coming. He knows where she is. You gotta get out of there. I'm on my way. Get out of there now. I saw the film earlier today, and I thought it was great. Um, oh, good. I'm so glad. Tell me what spoke to you about it, uh, the, the project itself and your character in particular. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess starting with the project itself, I um, I just, you know, I was I was sent the script to read it, and, you know, it kept kind of, as I read the script, and I, and I think the movie does this too, I, I was kind of constantly surprised by how not, stereotypical the story on stereotypically the story unfolded you know I, I read the kind of the byline and I thought I thought it was maybe going to be a shot at the church or a shot at something and but it really I think depicted such a fair side of this argument that um, that was the thing that really was very very intriguing to me you know not of course the fact of the 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 time it's a very timely script with kind of everyone's rights right now, which I think is a great story that to be telling in this way. But, but I, I really didn't think that either side was ever villainized. And that was something that really spoke to me. Um, I, uh, I was, I was raised Catholic, so I'm, you know, aware of the Catholic church. And so that was another thing. I mean, I, I'm kind of a, you know, I have, I have my own beliefs with it now, but I, you know, my, my family's is, uh, is still, you know, more, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm kind of a couple year go to church Catholic, um, probably the ones that they, they talk to my character about in the, in the show. But, uh, but I still do very much believe in, in uh, the institution of it just because I see what it does for people. And so, so for me, it was a, it was a, a great thing to see that neither side was kind of depicted as right or wrong. And you kind of are, are I think we hopefully we allow the audience to, to see, to see every side of it. Um, and then as far as the character goes, you know, I'm always in, I'm always interested in people that are complicated and um, that can and that there's a an ability for someone to change and you know kind of where Tommy starts and kind of the questions that he has about his own faith and what what faith means to him. I really related to, and then that he meets this girl that Eddie plays and uh, you know they're they're kind of an odd pair at, at, at the outset, but then they I think really 
learn a lot from each other and are changed by each other. And that, and then, you know, that, that's ultimately what I'm always looking for in, in, uh, in parts, characters that can be affected by other people in positive ways. So it kind of spoke to all of that, you know, to me. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, let's stick with the Catholic church for just a moment. I mean, it, yep. in terms of it being, uh, it, it speaks to the traditions of an institution at what point does that institution lose its identity if it, if it kind of relinquishes those traditions? So you're right. It right. Isn't, it isn't cut and dry. It, it isn't simple. No, and, you know, it's, it's a very fine line because, like you said, like those institutions are what kind of holds up this, this thing. But at the same time, if it doesn't – if it's not amiable, if it can't change with the times, it's obviously going to end. So I think that's right. the very fine line that those uh, – these kind of old school things walk and have to kind of adapt as, as the, as culture changes. And I think that we're, you know, not that, I mean, it's cyclical, right? I mean, the human race is always changing, but I, it feels like we're at a time of, of the, you know, the young generation now is definitely not going to, there's just so many new things and acceptance and tolerance that, you know, I, I, I hope in my heart that 20, 30 years from now, a lot of the things that people are talking about, we aren't going to be talking about anymore. So, um, you know, I think that yeah. things, kind of have to have to bend a little bit to, to accommodate for that well it's it's evolution i mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. so, some of these institutions have to catch up to you know natural evolution that's, i think uh, that's i right. think eddie's on the phone eddie are you there oh, hello? This is jamie hi sorry i was so confused thinking that you guys were going to call me and then i'm like why are they not calling me <laughs> no we were waiting for you i'm hi, so sorry <laughs> Let, let me ask you um, what I was talking to, to Aaron about a little bit ago. I, I saw the movie earlier today, and I loved it. I thought it was great and, and, and thought-provoking and very insightful about both its themes and its characters. And speaking of Thank characters, what, what about your character spoke most to you when you, when you read the script? You know, it was actually one of the first characters that I didn't really necessarily right away – feel like we had a lot in common per se because she was so different you know from me and and so inspiring and um for the first time it was a character that I I I looked up to so it was it was more of a you know more of a challenge to 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 put myself in the in the shoes of someone that you know had like bigger shoes um and and to actually step up to that, you know what I mean? Because her conviction and her values and, and, and just the, the way that she sticks to what, what she believes is true to her is so strong and not everyone has the guts to do that, you know? Did you, did you speak to anyone in, in the church that any kind of role models for that character or anyone that helped you inform who that character was? So I actually grew up Catholic. Um, I grew up in Mexico and uh, all my schooling over there were Catholic schools. And so um, a lot of the teachers were sisters of the Catholic church and nuns. And um, I feel like I had a lot of background from then. My mom, um, she's very religious. So um, I talked to her and, um, and then I obviously had a a very good in-depth conversation with Bill Duke, our wonderful director. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with the Catholic religion. I'm not necessarily anymore, uh, you know, a religious person per se, but I, um, um, I kind of just 
grew up with with that, and so I I was just very kind of aware, but also so ashamed that I never really questioned in myself like my character does. You know what I mean? So hmm. it just brought up that's all these very, questions. Yeah, yeah, I was like, wow, I can believe that never even occurred to me. Like, I just feel so stupid, you know, like that I never even thought about how it was always males that were the priests, the women were the nuns, and yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of those things, like, I, Eddie, I basically said the exact same thing about growing up Catholic um, five minutes ago. Yeah. And, uh, All right. I, I, you yeah, you have that, you have that you too. You don't... Um, you don't, you just, it's just, it's not something you question. You know, we were talking about these old institutions and it's just the way of it. And you kind of fall in and that's what you're taught. And you, it's it's very, it really takes someone very bold to question these things. And that's what I think your character really does in this, you know? Yeah. And it's amazing how she inspires your character to change in such a way that, you know, you were like this player (laughs) and suddenly you're questioning things as well. And, but you know, that's a very, very good point that you're mentioning. I think, it's so true that we grow up and it's almost part of how things should be to not question mm-hmm. things. Because if yeah. you do, it's, you know, like it's, you're challenging. And actually we see that in the movie. My, my dad in the movie um, basically tells me that I shouldn't be going against, you know, the way things are. That like, what are people going to think? What people are going to talk about him and how he doesn't control his family or his daughter and how, you know, the shame. So, so that is very true. It's the old school, the old school, basically stuff that, you know, that hasn't changed and, and it's just been what it is for years and years. And also not yeah, in a way that's, where, that's, you know, it doesn't seem like your father doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that. It's just not at all. That's, yeah. what, that's what his, that's the only kind of tunnel vision that he has about it. It's, it's very, very yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the, a big reason why I love the movie as much as I do is because it, it goes. It's bigger than the Catholic Church, if if that's yeah. possible. The Catholic Church is huge, yeah. but it's about <laughs> it's about gender roles in our society. Um, and you know, in terms of your character, Aaron, uh, I mean, Eddie just mentioned it. Um, in your in your character's own life, you have a way of kind of compartmentalizing. Uh, women in your in, in uh-huh. your own life, yeah. Um, and and I'm curious what why did that why did your character decide to take on her case? Did he recognize something lacking within himself, and that that made him follow this through? Well, I you know as I'm as a question that That's I have such a I good question, and yeah. I can I kind of I can only kind of. I personalize a lot of things like as an actor. So I just like try to turn it over in my head, like the way that I would think about it. And uh, I just, I think honestly at the beginning, he kind of takes it on as a challenge. And then there's a great moment in, uh, in the scene where I, you know, I first meet Eddie's character when she basically says, why, why does not having a penis is that the only prerequisite? And, you know, I think Tommy's a really smart guy and knows he's smart and has all the answers and she totally stumps him in that moment. So I think it kind of starts in a place that he's honestly just intrigued and it's a problem to solve. And then as mm-hmm. it goes, I think he has all this underlying and questions about himself and his faith and his, his own family inside that kind of get brought to the surface without him even really planning that to happen. Yeah. That's kind of the way that I looked at it as I was looking at it. And, uh, I think that's kind of what happens. I think he kind of kind of backed into it in a way that he takes it on as this 
challenge and what he's supposed to do, and then it just kind of takes a life of it becomes its own thing, has a life of its own. Yeah, and and Eddie, um, this might sound like an odd question, but but <laughs> when I think of the portrayal of of women, uh, whether they be nuns or what have you, I mean, when you put on something like a habit, um, it almost acts like a a cloak of of, of virtuosity, of, of virtuousness. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering, was it a challenge to play her as obviously a virtuous woman, but but also understandably human to let the humanity mm-hmm. come through that? Yeah, actually, you know, that was one of the challenges as well, where I had to really just, you know, you really kind of dig deep and and to understand someone who would go in that direction in, in, in their life and choose, you know, this path. Um, and also at, at such a young age, because it's, you know, from her history, it's that she always knew what she wanted to do and she always followed the religious path. And for me to think, because, you know, I, I, I'm basically not that person. I, I've dated, I'm married. And so it's, um, you really think, right? Like, I remember actually having the discussion with Aaron, kind of like, uh, how does that really happen? How does someone commit themselves to, to you know, basically a life of uh, devoting themselves to God and mm-hmm. and, to, and and never having a partner and um, you know, just is there attraction when you see someone? And the way I thought that should be humanized and some, I feel like you know, we're all human at the end of the day and. <clears throat> I think that um, she follows her path, but everything else in her life is is like like any other woman would have it. Any other person who works and uh, you know is dedicated and they work hard and they wake up every day and and she would see someone like Tommy and think, you know, what a good looking young man, what a um, handsome guy, and 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 recognize qualities and and you know all that stuff but knowing that her calling is you know to 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 have the life with god um i don't know if that really answers the question but um like i said you know playing ali was definitely the most challenging character i've ever played and also the, the most rewarding because she um She's such a unique person, um, loving so much what she does and basically being so selfless. Um, as a human, as a human, you you know, and if I'm not like a monk or a, a anything like that, I really kind of have to explore that. Um, but um, well, you know, but, it, listening it, to you talk, it, it, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe there isn't so much of a separation between you and your character because mm-hmm. I think you as a performer probably understand having a calling and wanting to put all of yourself and your passions into something. And, and for you, it's, I would imagine, it's performing. Right. Yeah. It's true. And when Absolutely. you have, and you sacrifice things and you prioritize kind of like your career over other things, you know, like a lot of people that I know in the industry – maybe, you know, put up having children and then they up having, end up having children really late and they wish they would have done it earlier or, you know, just like the things that you sacrifice. So it's, in a way, that is a good point. It's a good symmetry with Allie because 
you know, she even has a moment of doubt herself where she's like, I don't know if what we're doing is right. And she tells Tommy, you know, we're this, we're get, people are getting hurt. And, and so she questions if she's being selfish and if she should be doing this. Um, but then, you know, Tommy actually is the one that convinces her that this is a bigger thing than, than, than just about them anymore. It's one of those things where it's like, we have to keep doing this now. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So yeah, it's true. I mean, we, as a performer, I definitely did a lot of things where I, um, I had to sacrifice things. But I just feel like it's in such a different way, right? Like her, hmm. Ali was. It's just so pure. Everything she's doing is just so. It's just good all around. Yeah. Yeah, but at the I end of the day, I mean, a, call, a calling is a calling, right? I mean, it's like yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I, I don't think that there's, uh, honestly, people ask me, oh, what would you do if you weren't an actor? I honestly can't answer that question. I have no idea. You would just think yeah. to yourself in the shower. Yeah, I would, that's what I would do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, it's almost like uh, asking someone, uh, you know, who, who would you be if you weren't you? And you only know how yeah, to be absolutely. you. And, you know, yeah. it's in your blood. Yeah. So, true. you know, I want to ask, uh, I'm supposed to uh, chat with um, – both Bill Duke and, and Lou Diamond Phillips on Saturday for this film. Okay. So I want to ask about your your experiences working with both. Uh, I mean, Aaron, I, I really enjoy the scenes where you go head-to-head with Lou Diamond Phillips uh, in particular yeah. because he's yeah, such an actor, scene, actor of such stature. The first scene I shot in the movie actually was the scene with uh, he and I in the Cardinal's house at the table. That was, a, that was, my, first, that was my first scene. <laughs> So we're kind of thrown right into it. Um, but no, Lou, I, I mean, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. And, uh, you know, he's just like exactly what you would expect in the fact that like so completely professional and prepared and kind and right there. And, you know what I mean? But that's what – it's always fascinating to me. People always ask, oh, how is this person? How is this person? I, I truly find that kind of the higher up you go in this in this business, the nicer and better people are because – Mm-hmm. If you're, I mean, besides, like, of course, there are exceptions, but besides, like, a couple people, if you're kind of an asshole, nobody wants to work with you. So, you know, Lou was such a case of that, that he was just, like, such a pro, and he was so committed to this project and believed in it like everyone else, and I just had a wonderful time kind of, you know, hitting the tennis ball back and forth with him, too, cause as, like, a bit of an adversary. Yeah. And his part is so tricky, too, because I think that that would be one of the easiest parts of the movie to play as a as a stereotypical well, I think both villain. both he and the Cardinal. I mean, right? You, you, it's so e- it would be so easy to villainize those characters, and yeah. instead yeah. he, I think, really does a, a fantastic job presenting it. That listen, this yeah. isn't personal. I'm not upset with you or you guys, but this is just not the word of God. Like this is not what we believe. And I think that yeah. it could very easily have suffered uh, and gone a whole nother way. Yeah, and we see at the end, you know, uh, you know, just you realize that he, where his heart really is, and um, even in the scenes that we have in the courtroom, you even see that, you know, if if there's a, a good close up of his face when he is questioning me, um, you know, honestly, he was face to face with me, and he really almost had to hold back to not really have his emotions come out and like maybe even get to tears. So I just think that you can really tell that, you know, he's just following his face and the face has certain rules and he sticks to them, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't really realize or is aware or questions inside of him that 
maybe, you know, maybe this is a little bit antiquated, that maybe the rules should change, but it's kind of like, where do we begin? Who is going to be the one to start this challenge? And you're going to not be accepted if you, you know what I mean? So you really do see that he's, you know, a human being with a heart. Um, yeah, he's he's a man of equal convictions. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, and, and Bill Duke, I mean, this is, an, again, another sensational actor who's become a great director. I mean, I remember yeah. Rage in Harlem was his debut yeah. director, and that was an extraordinary film from the very beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what's it like to be in his presence and, and, and directed by him? What What's his style like, and what did you learn from him, uh, Eddie? He, you know, I really feel like I, I guess also the content and the writing and the character, but even his directing, you really changed me as an actress. I just really felt like I came out a better a better professional, a better actress. I was inspired by him. I just thought, you know, he was really giving and really patient and, you know, because there's a lot of emotional scenes and um, he, he just really um, helped you get there and talk to you and just so detail oriented, you know, like we, sometimes we would go back and talk about something and he would really be like, you know, remember this already happened. And so just so much detail about how someone would be feeling at this point and, um, it really impressed me. It really impressed me. And I'm, um, it was just, you know, working with Aaron, working with Bill, working with Lou and everyone, it, like, you know, like he said, I'm sure there are assholes out there, but luckily I've been lucky to, enough in, in this career of mine to work with mostly very nice people. And this film, was, yeah. uh, no exception. And, um, and I just feel like I got to work with professionals that really were committed to doing this, to to really bring out what they have to bring, and I feel like everyone really brought it. Um, mm. So it just, yeah, it just, it just really kind of made me feel like, you know, I I really need to up my game here. <laughs> I'm working with mm. I'm working with these real professionals, you know, and and it was great. Aaron as a partner, it, uh, just it's just wonderful, and having yeah. the emotions of every sort of emotion was there every time. So. Well, thank you, Eddie. I feel the same. What Eddie just mentioned about Bill, I mean, I, I agree with everything. And, and what she said specifically about kind of, you know, saying, okay, this just happened. This is how you would feel here because this happened. Like being able to track that, you, you'd be surprised yeah. how many directors can't or Miss don't it. do that. And yeah. so in fact, and, you know, it could be a subject that he started as an actor and just understands our process in a way that other directors don't. But he just, I think, had such a very clear vision of what he wanted mm-hmm. his film to be, which, you know, for better or worse, and I think better in our case, a director needs to do that. Because if the director doesn't have an aim for what they want, the whole entire thing is going to be a mess. And so Bill, I think, just knew exactly what he wanted it to be and but at the same, but in the same breath, he was very collaborative with with our processes and how we need to go about that. So he was just—I had a yeah. wonderful time working with him, and you know, he's just kind of—he's a—he's a—he's a guy who's been in the business for a long time, and so just being around people like that and talking to them is also wonderful. But I just think he was—he uh, was a wonderful light for this story and this film. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because if he's like quiet and not saying anything he's just standing there he looks so intimidating yeah. <laughs> he's so tall and so big and i'm just like but yeah. then he talks to you and he smiles and he's so nice oh, he puts he's his like hand the, on your shoulder nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, he gives nice you a wink guy. or 
or like yeah. a, you know, like fist bump or something, and you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I just have two, two more quick questions for you guys, and, and then I'll let you off the hook. I appreciate you giving me your time. Um, oh, no. What, what do you hope? I, I mean, it premieres um, at the Sunscreen Film Festival later this month. What do you hope audiences at the festival and beyond uh, take away from the, the film? Um, I think like what we've been talking about, I think if it just makes people kind of take a look inside and think and think about people that are different from them and think about, you know, kind of where we are today and what really matters. And I I just, I hope that it's a thought provoking film, not just, and that people don't think it's just a movie about religion or the Catholic church, that it's about that, you know, these kind of themes and overall ideas apply to many, many things in our lives today in 2017. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> he said it. Um, <laughs> I, I literally just, I know I'm, I'm like really late to the game, but I just watched um, Moonlight. And, um, you know, sometimes, um, like, my husband's like, oh, I don't want to watch, like, depressing films, and why do we have to watch this, you know, and whatever. And I'm like, you know, I get it. But, you know, maybe because at your age, you've, you've already thought about this subject and whatnot. But, you know, you really have to think about the fact that, Sometimes people don't, like, you know, like I even said it, I hadn't questioned a lot of things about my religion. And you go on with that your whole life. So I just wish the same thing that Aaron said, that, you know, people will think and question and realize that this is just one thing, that this is just one thing that it needs to be addressed, that needs to be thought about, needs to be talked about, and needs to eventually change. And hopefully we don't even have to talk about it in the future um, and it's just like part of a big thing that a lot of things need to be looked at and thought about and questioned and, and, uh, and that way make our, you know, whole existence and humanity better. And I, I can't even go about other things that are in our world happening right now that we shouldn't, that shouldn't even exist, you know? And so all these things that need to be questioned and dealt with. Yeah. And film, and film has the power to inspire that dialogue. Um, exactly. It has. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me. We like to sit there and watch movies, and this is the one way of really getting people to pay attention to things. It's sad because we shouldn't have to, you know, do it only that way. But at least we have this medium. Yeah, I mean, it's film has really defined my life, my love of film. So I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. films that that grapple with this. This, these kinds of issues. And by the way, it's more yeah. than just, uh, I mean, there's a thriller aspect to the film. It, it's a courtroom yeah. drama, yeah. which who doesn't love a courtroom drama? I mean, so yeah, exactly. it's got a lot, of, a, a lot going on. So I want to know yeah. uh, from both of you guys what, what, what you're working on now and what's in the future. Um, uh, so I, was, I, I, was, I was, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Eddie. No, no, please. <laughs> Um, I'm literally um, starting to just write stuff on my own and so I kind of want to take a seat into the producing side and hopefully produce something so um, you know I've been working on that with a few friends now that I've been in the industry for a while I've kind of developed the connections but also um, you know reading some scripts and uh, just potential stuff that comes in my way and see if there's something I, I now that I feel that I like to, you know, I feel like now I can be a little bit pickier about the stuff that I do and really do uh, projects that speak to me that maybe inspire and 
and challenge and 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 just you know that have a special meaning so um mm-hmm. just really focus on and doing that and not just jumping for anything and everything that comes my way yeah actually i'm I'm kind of in the exact same boat i mean i think uh eddie and i are both in a very uh, a lucky position that you kind of work towards that you get to a place where you kind of now you can just take stuff that you want to do and that speaks to you instead of just taking stuff to necessarily have to work so i'm kind of doing the same thing i'm reading reading stuff and looking for whatever's kind of the next thing but uh but at the same time as we were talking about before i'm i'm doing some concerts and so that's kind of keeping me singing and keeping uh keeping me uh my musical inclinations uh up to par so yes i have a bunch of concerts and two and two in florida actually the the same uh same weekend as the as the film festival which I have to say was one of the funnest things about working with Aaron as well, because it was like a free concert <laughs> never every day. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I should have recorded him. <laughs> and, I'm glad uh, that so was the case yeah. and it didn't get annoying. Yeah. I, are you kidding me? I was like, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> 